0: BPI Sports has always been a massive supporter of natural bodybuilding, so it only made sense for us and them to partner up. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by BPI Sports, and if you want to support them and us, use code Daily at checkout for some exclusive discounts off any of your orders. Enjoy the episode. What's happening, people? Welcome to another episode of Natty News Daily. Excuse the, the weird background behind me. We're in the middle of house renovations, so I'm uh, living in chaos right now, which is not fun, but it's all for for good things. New kitchen, so new kitchen to prep in. <laughs> but uh, Dan and I are here. We're going to talk about the training mostly, and kind of the little things with regards to maybe improving your training, getting more out of your training, uh, maybe little habits that we have with training, and uh, you know just have a little casual conversation about training because I think a lot of people are interested on ways they could maybe make their training better and get a bit more out of it. So um Dan I'll let you kick it off because you're you're a bit more OC I was about to say OCD OCD than I am um what what do you do maybe let's start with pre-workout do you have any pre-workout rituals uh
1: yes uh, yes uh I have a. Well, I make my own pre-workout uh, I've been doing that for four or five years I've had pretty much similar formulas so so do you take a stem-based pre all the time no it's it's actually a non-stim and then i add stem from there so i actually scale stem throughout the mesocycle so start at zero and then scale up um as i go um i drink that with with coffee too uh i, I like coffee i like the caffeine in you, coffee you something you
0: get some caffeine then
1: um at the beginning of meso, i don't i don't start with coffee like start with coffee or i drink decaf or something like that but um yeah that, that's usually the first caffeine source i introduce is like, cup of coffee which is like 100 milligrams of caffeine and then eventually i start adding ca- caffeine into my okay. into my actual pre yeah. so um but yeah um i guess now i'm jumping around you you, you, you uh, surprised me with the question uh i thought it was gonna take another route but um you know pre-workout meal um something that's helped me pre-workout is actually like after my pre-workout meal going for a walk like walking for like uh, i'd say about fifteen minutes my meals pretty large like one hundred twenty grams of carbs so uh like a 10 10 fifteen minute walk like close to two thousand steps is is about right around the mark that uh, kind of gets the food moving and it you know it's not just sitting there like a lump and then i start drinking my pre and then getting going um so yeah that's that's sort of the, the
0: walk because we do we do the same thing right so what time of day do you train
1: i train in the morning like uh anywhere in like the 9 30 to 10 30 range usually
0: okay so we're we're both morning trainers so obviously for those listening this may may apply to you if you're in the same situation so i get up um similar to dan have a meal i don't have anything too substantial because as i get deeper in the off season my morning appetite actually starts to diminish um, pretty quickly and i have a good amount of carbs pre-bed this is something i've talked to cliff about so he's like he's always said if you're adequately fueled the night before you probably don't need a whole lot in the morning because if i was to have something like you know whatever dan's having at 120 carb i'd probably feel pretty full and sluggish so right now i just (coughs) have uh, a protein shake with water and two rice cakes or uh, a piece of fruit like the other day i had an apple Um, so it's it's very minimal Um, and then kind of similar to dan i'll go for a walk Um, my wife and i usually walk the dog um pre-workout just just like you and then it's time to train i train a bit earlier earlier at eight but uh the routine is very similar so it's, it's interesting we kind of follow suit on that side
1: yeah for sure and i, I like the point you made about how as you get into off season you you know your your morning carbs are uh for you a little bit lower for me i don't lower them but um as my off season progresses i'm adding more carboh- carbohydrates mostly trying to plug them around my training But at a certain point, like I've been running the same pre-workout meal, like size wise for months now, like months. But all my pre-work or all my carbs I'm adding, like as my calories get higher, are into my intra, into my post. So like my my intra and post, mostly my post, that my post is close to 200 grams of carbs, but like, you know, you're not going to have the same, I don't think having the same ratio of pre intra post carbs makes sense. Like deep into prep versus off season, because you have, you know, you don't, you know, you could, if you did that, I'd end up, or if I did that, I'd end up having like 160 grams of carbs pre-workout, which would take forever to digest. And I'd, I'd probably throw up on a leg, leg session, especially. So I, I think that's a good, good point to make. Yeah,
0: it, like that would be my situation right there, right? If I was to you know, force feed so much food in the morning, either, either I'd have to get up earlier, which, you know, that is disrupting sleep and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. um, to give it adequate time, or I'm the guy on the floor puking during my sessions, right? And I train at home. I don't have AC in that garage. So, you know, this last week we had a day that was 30 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's freaking hot. And, yeah, it's uh, starting to get hot here too. Yeah, so you know, being conscious of you know macro placement, I think, is important. And like you said, starting to kind of slam that stuff more post workout. Yeah, you know, a bad idea.
1: Yeah, and and, and that that post workout meal need need definitely needs a walk too afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> that's For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I'll mention something. So I've been training barefoot, and it's I been did notice that interesting experience. So the first thing I've noticed. Is a reduction in pain in my knees and my hips. Um, I've I won't say always dealt with like knee pain, but I'm pretty sure it's just patellar tendonitis. Like it just from from training, because when I don't train, it doesn't hurt anymore, right? So it's got to be just a inflammatory thing from training. But yeah, outside of squatting, that's the only time I'll wear my heel elevated shoes and then knee sleeves, but everything else I've been doing, I've been doing barefoot. So any lunge, leg press, obviously like leg extension, leg curl, any deadlift. Um, and then obviously like upper body training, I've been training barefoot and it's been an interesting experiment for sure. I I think, I think it's something that more people could look into and I don't know if it's just me, but I think my calves are responding better to being barefoot like training them and just those little muscles that kind of proprioception with your feet and stuff like that because i don't know i think i'm really liking what the lower body's starting to look like since doing this change obviously you know it's not just what's happened like i'm in the off season i'm in a surplus like i'm not yeah. doing that stuff but i think i would be in denial to say that there's not some positives that have come with it um from being now you know basically a month training barefoot
1: do you think your toes were pretty jammed up in the toe box when you were wearing it?
0: Yeah, so that's the other thing. So, I've gone down the rabbit hole of, like, you know, foot health and, like, you know, being able to, like... Move Grip the ground, toes. spread yeah, toes, yeah. Everyone, spread your toes, like that kind of stuff. Like, I have yeah. toe threaders that I'll wear from time to time. Um, I've always been, so I grew up in an old farmhouse, so the floors were always cold. So, I always wore socks growing up now i've made a conscious effort to like not wear socks when i'm at home so i'm trying to be as barefoot as much as i can and uh that's the one thing i have noticed is like it's minimal but there is now getting to be that little bit more freedom with my toes
1: yeah Yeah, because i've always noticed when i when i buy shoes i actually leave a little room at at the end because i don't like my toes being jammed up all the way up up against the end um
0: it's the it's the it's this too right like from the side that's where that's where you run into a lot of problems when your toes
1: start to jam in so like yeah well, well the toe box like funnels in but if you're further back you have more room so yeah,
0: yeah. but uh yeah i know it's been it's been interesting and like even now wearing shoes is is kind of uncomfortable which is interesting how quickly your body can adapt to things but like i have uh like just a pair of like we we'll call them trainers. They're not running shoes. Like they're they're <clears throat> just, They're like a Nike. Yeah. They're like quite uncomfortable after like with it. Like the first like 10 15 minutes. I really? Them, they're they're noticeably like uncomfortable, which is which is interesting. Even like you know for those that have been following me, I've been kind of dabbling in more like athletic performance style training, and you know we'll call it functional stuff. And I've been running, and I went for a run with Carrie and her friend a couple of weeks ago now. And I first kind of dabbled into this idea and I had my shoes on and it hurt so bad. It wasn't even like, I was surprised how well I ran considering I haven't run forever. It wasn't like I was gassed, but my feet hurt from running with the shoes on. And she was like, oh yeah, you need like actual running shoes that have the support. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I run at home on my treadmill, zero pain, barefoot.
1: Barefoot. And, and sure. I'll
0: run, I'll run it like six, seven miles an hour, which is like, that's not fast, but I know, but it's like, it's a good clip, like on a, like for a jog
1: and barefoot and
0: have zero pain.
1: <clears throat> it seems like you've gotten used to do, doing the barefoot stuff too. So it's, it seems more of like an adaptive thing, um, or it seems like an adaptive thing. I know like Chris Duffin, which I actually wear a Kabuki shirt, um, talks a lot about, a lot about training barefoot and being barefoot and and, uh the advantages of it um
0: i love when people are like are you worried about putting a plate on your foot and i'm like if i drop a 45 on my foot the little
1: oh the shoes are shit. (laughs) like mesh on the top yeah
0: yeah. i'll take the hit so it's
1: it's not it's not protecting you from breaking your foot no no (laughs)
0: yeah that's been a an interesting experiment so i'm interested to see like how that continues to translate and um the only the only hiccup i have coming down the line is when it gets cold again i don't know if uh my bare feet in a cement floor or minus 20 is a good idea we'll figure that when we get there
1: <laughs> maybe i'll do want to find uh shoes with a nice wide toe box or or, like some toe or you'll or you'll move into the croc gang with me those have a big, those have so yeah, much yeah, room. <laughs> those are basically like walking barefoot. Yeah, yeah. My dad actually uh, broke, broke his foot or broke his, it's an understatement. He kind of sliced up and broke uh, his foot and he could still fit his foot in a croc. So <laughs> <laughs> he loves his crocs.
0: Okay. Let's talk forearm training. This is something that uh, you've been doing for a long time, right? mm mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have not. I've just been recently into the off season starting to do direct forearm work. Um, you know, people will be like, Why are you wasting your time on forearms? And two reasons that I'm doing forearm work. One, it's an area of your physique, so you should give it some attention, I would think, from a bodybuilding standpoint. It'd be just like not training your calves. And number two, big forearms look cool. So I'm hoping to get some big forearms and look cool.
1: <laughs> they do like who wants dinky little forearms yeah, for it sure. just looks weird
0: yeah like we talked about this a while ago and it's like you notice the big ass dude like if you're like sitting at a restaurant and he's got his arms on the table and you're like holy shit like what right? like
1: the sleeve rolled up and then like the veins are going everywhere and yeah. it's just like "Ooh, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. so i want to be that guy
1: <laughs> it's cool i mean you you do get a, a good bit of uh forearm work from from your other other work as well but um as we've we've talked about there's definitely some some work you can do like direct work direct flexion extension work mostly flexion but what extension
0: programming standpoint
1: um so before okay so before i get into like the direct work so to speak i always have a hammer curl variation in the mix so doing that at least twice a week um on, on with my bicep work so i usually run usually three bicep variations and at least at least one or two of them are hammer curl variations. so yeah. twice a week at least minimum i'm doing hammer curls so that's co- sort of the quote unquote indirect work that i'm getting from my bicep work uh, for the brachioradialis. um and then i also do direct flexion work and direct extension work twice a week each uh on on different days Uh, I do my extension work on my pull days, and then my flexion work on my uh, push and biceps days. Um, So each of those twice a week. Um, Sets kind of as recovery dictates. Nothing super fancy. Um, I'll rotate. Uh, There's a few movements I use. I I generally tend to like using a barbell just because it's a little more stable. Um, But I've been running dumbbells lately and with with good success too. yeah a couple of ways i do them like you can do them like standard on the bench you can do them like on a preacher curl i actually like him them am doing doing them with like a straight arm as well if you can find a pad and you can just do a straight arm wrist curl or, or wrist curl or wrist extension um those are nice variations that i've found as well um you've you've come up with some cool stuff with the cables and
0: yeah so yeah so um i do I do them twice a week for sure so i'll do it once on an upper body day and then today's actually i still have one direct arm day i'm just doing one arm day because i want my arms to just get huge so i'll do them on arm day as well so same as you i'll do probably like one or two curl variations one or two extension variations and then i've been doing some isometric stuff too like farmer's walks as well um just to get like some really heavy load but i've been doing uh like kind of a standard dumbbell wrist curl over the bench i'll do it single arm
1: and Um, and i noticed one one thing to point out i think it's important is you're allowing it to roll in your hand as well right
0: yeah yeah right through my fingers.
1: yeah so on on, i do that as well so with wrist curl variations that that the uh the forearm flexors do also work in the hand so if you allow it to roll in the bottom of your hand at the bottom it makes makes a little bit of a difference a little extra stretch
0: what do you do like like set and rep style like do you go lower rep at all or do you kind of keep it like that higher it's like burn like i'll do sets of like 20 and just roast them
1: yeah i i do some slightly lower rep work like down as low as like i i think like eight is sort of my bottom end like eight to
0: that's like reasonably heavy for a forearm yeah it's
1: reasonably heavy but um most of my work is i'd say mostly in like the i'd say like 12 12 to 15 is probably my average i like going up to 20 plus even um but yeah the the burnt the it's it's really it it makes sense it's very practical in like the 20 and more range as well so um but yeah you, you get You run into a little bit issues as if you get down to eight. One thing I have noticed though, um, in general, um, with a lot of movements that you know people say, "Oh, you you shouldn't do these super heavy because they're not as practical." I I don't disagree with that. But if you're controlling the movement well, you can actually get down to those like, yeah, like eight right around eight, and and still have good execution. Even like a lateral raise. If I'm primarily talking like eccentric execution. Um, so if you're you're really controlling the movement, you can get maybe a little heavier than you might think if you're not, if you're not already controlling your centrics, controlling okay. your movement. But that's just kind of a tangent. Um, yeah.
0: Do you ever do uh, any like fat grips?
1: Um, I've used them for uh, bicep curling, not specifically for for forearms though. Um, I just because I was like, I'm gonna try these, see if see if I like it. I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're cool. They're cool little tool. Something you can throw into the mix from time to time.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of getting direct forearm work, I like actually directly moving at the wrist primarily, um, or at the elbow as well, because hammer curls. Um, but yeah, you can you can get indirect quote unquote indirect or isometric work from, you know grip work and things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So forms we talked about which was on our to do list. We did some pre-workout. Let's talk post. Do You do anything specific after you're done training?
1: Um, A lot of food, <laughs> a lot of carbohydrates <laughs> Am cap am cap.
0: Like a lot of people are, are like still very much like, oh, you should stretch after workouts. And like, do you do any of that?
1: I do not know
0: no breathing or anything like
1: that? No, I, I do, uh, I did start, I take like a handful of pills just um, that I just generally take, but I do, some of them do have ashwagandha in them, which I picked up from Josh, um, just to kind of help settle me down a little bit, That that seems to be helpful. Sometimes coming out of a session, I'm just like real wound up still. And it's like, I just need to like come down a notch, you know what I mean? I don't know. if you,
0: quickly are you eating post-workout?
1: How quickly? Pretty much right after I'm done. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I, I train at home, so I'm actually usually, usually like I'm like my last, uh, movement is something that's not crazy demanding, either like forearms or things like that, or like, and like between sets, I'm like running upstairs and prepping my food and running back, doing a set, running back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I have like two or three minutes to, so, I'm just like, I might as well do something, otherwise I'm just scrolling my phone,
0: yeah 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 i i uh I'll do some stretching after legs more so to like kind of just relieve like my lower back and hips and stuff, yeah, nothing like I'm definitely not running through like a full like deep stretch yoga session post workout, but you know upper body stuff, arms I all walk- same as you, right, I train at home right, so I'll walk in the house I'm done, but. Definitely after lower body, I take some time to like come down a little bit. You know, I I think it's not so much like a amped up feeling, but just like I just kind of want to center myself again because I go he- like I go heavy, right? Like mm-hmm. like pulling and squatting and stuff like that. So just giving my body like that little bit of pressure release. Like sometimes I'll do like some foam rolling and stuff. And you know whether foam rolling does anything or not is not what we're here to talk about. I feel better after doing it, so I'm gonna do it.
1: Yeah. It kind of calms you down and kind of like gets yeah. you out of that training state, and yeah, yeah. yeah fit, yeah, physically and mentally. Yeah, sure. But uh,
0: so let's uh let's wrap this up with I guess maybe one or two things that um you would maybe advise people on potentially adding to their training to get some benefit out of it that maybe they're not doing right now. Let me make the
1: adding to the training oh man Leroy this is I think this is very individual dependent I'd have to I'd have to see someone's individual context um in terms of you know big rocks uh I don't know if you want to do forearm work yeah flexion flexion work extension work hammer curls those three things will go a long way uh make sure you're controlling your movements controlling your eccentrics that's something that's a quick dirty easy cleanup um i don't know it's that it, it, it's otherwise it's very broad like it, it depends yeah. on the individual i could probably look at someone's training and say you know maybe you could do this a little better or maybe you could look at this movement instead you know um oh one thing one thing probably um and i, I brought it up Um, uh, is is looking at like uh, the length of a muscle that um or when you're when you're training a muscle what lengths are you training it at um so like with especially with um, with uh, muscles that are a quote unquote smaller or you can to train with uh, single joint movements a, a lot of the bias tends towards like really shortened emphasis movements like the pumpy type movements which are cool which are which work well um, but maybe doing some more lengthened work for muscles like that can, be a good idea that's something that i've I've made an observation and that some people i think and and i made a post about this claiming like ridiculously high set volumes are required for say delts or for um, biceps things like that which i don't think is entirely untrue i think to a certain extent they do demand more work than like say the hamstrings um but i think a lot of it's driven by The fact that a lot of the work done is just in shortened ranges that aren't particularly damaging. So, like you know, if you do, you could do lateral or side side dumbbell raises like forever, and your delts would be not sore than or would barely be sore the next day. But if you did like a a behind the back lateral, you could torch them. (laughs) You can get the delts sore, but that's random thought that came through.
0: Yeah, I, agree. So. I agree. My, my big point is the, uh, I really think people should experiment with barefoot training. I think there's something to it from a, like a movement standpoint. And there's nothing to be said about, you know, being able to move better and muscle activation, which could potentially lead to more hypertrophy. So I'm going to be a kind of a test subject for that this off season. And we'll see if it translates to anything interesting by the time I step on stage again. But
1: if anything, if it keeps your knees healthier though, cause I know you've, you've sure. fought that for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. So from a like a joint health standpoint, obviously it might not be a bad thing and you know, I think longevity in this sport is something that I'm trying to, you know, really be conscious of um, as I get, you know, older. I'm not old by no means, but you know, having these aches and pains now is obviously not ideal, not even being thirty yet, right? So I'm trying to trying to be proactive and I think that, you know, it could have a twofold effect of potentially making my physique improve in different ways. But also keeping me moving and being a bit healthier, which is obviously good.
1: Which will, in the end, help you in a lot of ways, including your physique. Yeah, yeah.
0: And train your forearms. That'll be training forearms. Second point. No
1: dinky forearms.
0: No, no. Oh, and tr- do some direct trap work. Maybe not a bad idea too.
1: That's something. Yeah, you can definitely do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, man. I appreciate you uh, hopping on this. For those listening, this is an early morning one for Dan and I. Mm-hmm. So we uh we got it done we did hope everybody enjoyed it if you did let us know give us a like obviously follow on instagram subscribe on youtube all that good stuff we appreciate all your support and we will see you guys in the next one